Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. I have three very special guests today. Let me just tell you who they are, and then I will invite each of them to introduce themselves. So in a moment, we'll be hearing from Larry Kyler. He is the Detroit Office Managing Partner at RSM. Then we will be joined by Jason Alexander, a consulting principal at RSM, and also joined by Joseph. He said to call him Joe. Joe Perkins, he's the president and CEO at Mobex Global. Larry Kyler, welcome. Please tell us what you do. Thank you. Um, My name is Larry Kyler. I'm the uh, global automotive industry leader for RSM. Um, Spent the last 20 to 25 years uh, serving automotive uh, clients, uh, global automotive clients, and uh, really, uh, really pleased to be here. Jason? Thanks, Larry. Hi, my name is Jason Alexander, and I'm a consulting principal at RSM. I have more than 15 years of experience serving multinational clients in the areas of accounting, risk management, mergers and acquisitions, and process and design improvement. Uh, I also serve as one of the firm's senior industrial analysts, a role that includes researching, understanding, and forecasting economic, business, and technology trends, which shape uh, the industries in which we play in. Uh, And I share a lot of those insights by connecting face-to-face with our clients and prospects and serve as a key member of our client and pursuit teams. Uh, Very happy to be here today. Thank you and good afternoon. And hello, Larry. And hello, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on today. Happy to have the conversation with uh, OESA and with RSM. I'm president and CEO of Mobex Global. Very exciting day for us as a company. Today is the day that we have launched our renaming and rebranding of our company. As of today, Mobex Global, previously Bushy Performance Group. So a great day for us, coincidental, that we did the brand launch on the same day as this podcast. So It is very timely to have this discussion and talk about some exciting things happening in our company. I joined um, previous Bushy Performance Group in August of 2018. Previous to that, I uh, oversaw the global acquisition of Takata, uh, a passive safety supplier. I used the key safety platform and Chinese investment to coordinate that acquisition. Previous to that, I was at Next Year Automotive, where I was the CFO, coordinated the IPO of Next Year Automotive on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange back in 2013. Bonnie, back to you. Thank you very much. Larry, I understand you're going to lead a conversation with these gentlemen, so I turn it over to you, Larry Kyler. Great. Thank you. And uh, Joe, it's such a pleasure to have you joining us today and uh, really excited for the company. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, when I think about where, uh, where we've come from and for you to be embarking on uh, a total uh, rebranding of the business, what an exciting time it must be. Um, you know, 
Joe, I, 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 as I think about the industry and I think about uh, uh, Mobex Global, I mean, it, can you give me a little bit of a perspective on uh, the last four months, like your ability to to just be able to respond uh, to COVID and and, uh, and and again in the wake of of completely rebranding your business, could you provide some thoughts around that? That'd be terrific. Larry, I'd be happy to. And I, I know that you have background as to our path forward with respect to our company. We've known each other a long time. We go back to my key safety days yeah, when absolutely. you helped us from an RSM perspective. We're in a unique situation, Larry, uh, highly unique. We have taken part in what I deem to be a holistic approach on effectively creating a new company. And that has culminated in the rebranding and the renaming today. It's been a long path. We had started a transformation in late 2019, a transformation that we deemed critical to effectuate long-term health and stability of our company. So we were ahead of the COVID challenges with respect to a transformation to drive incremental liquidity in our company. We were getting significant traction early in 2020. We were seeing results in January and February. We were trying to stay ahead of a downturn that we knew was coming in the market. We didn't know how quick it was going to come, and we didn't know how deep it was going to go once COVID hit in March. So we had to put the transformation on the shelf and focus on that which was most important. And that was the challenge with COVID. So we quickly turned to winding down manufacturing in our company. And that is consistent with what all of the key tier ones had to do. We did it flawlessly. The challenge that made it incrementally difficult was the fact that I didn't, Larry, have a playbook as to how to do this. You don't pull a global pandemic handbook off of your shelf and use it to effectuate a downturn of your company, a wind down of your company. We did it. We created a playbook and we did it flawlessly. We then entered a period of uncertainty. We didn't know, nor did the rest of the world, know how long COVID was going to occur. We didn't know how deep it was going to go, how long it was going to last. So we did our best to take cost out of the company, commensurate with the volume decline that we were seeing, which resulted in effectively no revenue for April and May. What we then did was saw the return of the industry in May, and we had to then flawlessly ramp up. Again, no playbook. Very challenging throughout the supply chain. Our suppliers, our peer tier ones, and into the OEM community, which really needed us to start up a week in advance of the assembly plants for our customers, the OEMs, beginning. What we were then able to do in late June was pull off from the shelf our known playbook on the transformation of our company, and we've gone at lightning speed. So highly unique. We're transforming our company. Many of the key initiatives now complete. At the same time, we were restarting the company. 
in all of this while we were planning a rename and a rebrand of the company. It has been a long path. It's been a successful path. And today is a real celebration for Mobax Global is we celebrate our success and our transformation. And now we look to a new beginning. We don't see the rebrand as a destination. We see this as a continued journey, and we've got a lot of success in front of us. Joe, that's, that's just absolutely amazing. And you've done this. Um, again, we've, we've had a lot of headwinds. <clears throat> the industry has had headwinds. Um, you have felt those headwinds. And you're doing this with a, uh, a somewhat of a remote workforce. Uh, the, the transformation process early stage here has been with a semi-remote workforce. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, give maybe a perspective on maybe some of the ways that you were able to navigate through that to get to where you're at today. A very unique situation again, Larry, as you know, RSM is operating in the same format of work from home. Had you told me, Larry, that going into COVID, we were going to have to operate long-term in a work-from-home scenario, I would have been worried. Mm. But actually, this has worked incredibly well. Now, our plants are all back to work. We have COVID procedures in place. I did a temperature check and a health screen when I walked into the plant today to coordinate our rebrand at this facility. But in the headquarters environment, in our tech center, our testing lab and validation center, it is still a work from home approach. And that will continue until Governor Whitmer moves the Detroit area into a phase five, which allows for working from home. Today, we're still subject to the restriction whereby if you can work remotely, you shall work remotely. And we are respecting that order from the governor. But it's gone very well, Larry. Mm -hmm. Our efficiency, actually, our productivity has gone up. We've learned to use Zoom. We've, we've learned how to work remotely at a higher level of productivity. We're not commuting to work. We're not going to lunch. We are focused on our role. And what we've been able to accomplish during this work-from-home scenario is still surprising to me. I managed the wind down of the company from my office at home. I restarted the company and we've also effectuated a recapitalization of our company in early June to provide significant flexibility to our balance sheet and room for continued growth. And now we've rebranded our company all from our, our office at home. Today is the first day I've been back in the work environment since March 24th, and I look at what we've accomplished since then, and we've done it flawlessly. We've shut down a company, we've restarted a company, we've effectuated a transformation, and we've rebranded it. And we will continue to work from home, as I said, until the governor relaxes or eliminates the current order. That now doesn't worry me. As I said, had I known it would have worried me, now it doesn't because I know what we can do. And this is coming from an individual that has tend to take, Larry, a legacy, you know, old-fashioned, I'll say, approach whereby mm -hmm. you're in the office. You yeah, are around people and driving teamwork. We've learned how to make it work and we're going to continue to. 
You know, uh, Joe, those Jay, are all, sitting, go ahead, Larry. I'm sitting here listening to, uh, to Joe and, and it's, uh, you know, the, the success story in terms of their transition, their transformation, um, and the impact and how they've been able to navigate with a, with a semi remote workforce all the way through the process of rebranding. Um, you know, you're our industry eminence, uh, Jason, you're the guy that's on the ground all the time hearing issues and stories just like these from guys like Joe. Um, you know, give us a little bit of, of a perspective or your thoughts, or do you have some questions for Joe uh, that maybe he could respond to related to, to the overall production and, and plant and so on and so forth? Yeah, thanks, Larry. And Joe, uh, again, thanks for, for being here with us today. Uh, you talked about the productivity of, of your folks in, in the corporate office. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of shift maybe to the plant in terms of, you know, some of the impacts on productivity that you have seen there as a result of either, you know, maybe having to reshuffle a production line to, um, you know, allow for some additional distancing or whatever that may be. And so was wondering if you could maybe talk to us about some of those impacts and, and some of the things that you guys have done on your end to respond to, you know, the safety concerns at, at your guys' plants. Sure, Jason, happy to address that, and thanks for the question. Again, Jason, no playbook. So we had to figure this out as we were moving forward with the restart. First and foremost, we followed industry guidelines around ensuring that we protected our employees and created a safe environment. So we have the protocol. I mentioned earlier that I went through that protocol today with a temperature check and a questionnaire. That is first and foremost. Throughout all of our plants, it's safety first. So that we are doing well, and I'm very comfortable with respect to the protocol that we have in place. With respect to the startup of our facilities, whether that be our foundry, I'm in our aluminum foundry today in Fruitport, Michigan, just east of Muskegon, uh, or our machining and assembly centers, which are throughout the United States, that has gone extremely well, not without challenge. Our critical issue is absenteeism right now. And I think much of the industry is dealing with this as mm -hmm. well. Um, and not just absenteeism as we previously knew it pre-COVID, but absenteeism driven by COVID. So somebody comes in, they go through the protocol, they answer a questionnaire. Have you been exposed to somebody who has had COVID symptoms? If yes, they're not allowed to enter the workforce. And we've had significant absenteeism as a result. Has it been disruptive? Yes. Has it had a critical impact to our plants whereby we have shut down? No. We're using overtime as our buffer, working overs and unders between our three shifts to manage the absenteeism, which has been significant. But so far, so good. And we're hoping as we get more traction through the summer, absenteeism will alleviate itself and we will be on a more what I would deem to be repeatable cycle within our plans. That's terrific. Joe, just a, a question as you kind of look forward, you know, we've, we've got some continued um, concerns regarding some of the, the increase in, uh, in COVID uh, around, the, around the country and, in, in, and around the world. Um, like we're, how do you see the company in its rebranding looking forward? Uh, what do you see in that crystal ball over the next uh, 12 to 18 months? That's the key question. 
Larry, as we sit here at the beginning of Q3, I'm, I'm comfortable. Again, we turn the switch back on to our transformation, and we have started up flawlessly, albeit dealing with some level of absenteeism, and our revenue has generally exceeded expectations since the restart. June was higher than forecast. July is tracking higher, and so is August. Everything is going well. Now, in parallel to what I just mentioned, we did have to do a reduction in force. And we did that because volumes that are, are at a new reality. IHS and most forecasters are predict, protecting, I'm sorry, predicting the industry to be down around 20% um, this year and then 10% next year. So volume is down. We hope that that comes back. But for now, that's what our planning volumes represent. So we took 10% of fixed cost out of the company to react to that. We'll continue to monitor our cost structure as volumes continue to evolve. So, so far, so good. Revenue is exceeding expectation. We've re-leveled our fixed cost commensurate with that. The issue is the unknown. And nobody on the phone today can answer the question, what will happen in Q4 and how will 2021 look? We are hoping that our planning volumes are met. Those are consistent with the general forecasts that are in the market today. And we're hoping that they exceed expectations as they are in Q3. But the uncertainty is, what if a significant second wave hits? Nobody knows what the impact will be. If it does hit, we're hoping that there is not an economic shutdown that we saw in the spring. But nobody can predict. We don't know how severe it will be or if it even happens. But then we have a lot of other disruptors that have been in the back seat by way of our thought process because in the front seat has been managing COVID. U.S. elections, trade issues, geopolitical events, those could all cause disruption on the downside, and we're just going to have to deal with those as they come. However, the recapitalization of our business created a balance sheet that we deemed appropriate to weather any significant downturn. We and the, the balance predominantly of the industry, did not have that balance sheet going into COVID. So what we yeah. did with a very supporting shareholder who believes in the company, believes in the management team, believes that the industry will rebound, was recapitalized not just to affect incremental liquidity in reaction to COVID, but to create a balance sheet that is flexible for growth and flexible to absorb another significant downturn, whether that be second wave, whether that be U.S. elections, whether that be economic disruptions to trade wars or geopolitical events. We are prepared. But the underlying issue, Larry, is uncertainty, and nobody can answer that yet. We think we're as prepared as we can be and hoping that it, it errs on the, on the upside. Absolutely. Joe, 
you know, another follow-up, I'm, you know, you talk about, you know, how you, how you guys have kind of responded, how you guys have recovered and, and really through all of this, you know, through the rebranding, really kind of reimagined, you know, you guys in, in terms of what you're going to look like as an organization. And so, you know, I've been talking with a lot of my clients and they talk about, you know, changes that they've had to make to address COVID and, you know, some of the things that they're considering um, keeping, you know, going forward. And so I was just wondering if there were any changes in your guys' practices that you made to respond, you know, in the, in the near term for COVID that you, you know, maybe were like, you know what, this is going to be something that we're going to keep going forward. Work from home, Jason, w- without question. We've proven that it works. We've proven that allowing flexibility of our workforce to work remotely when times require it or where um, it is deemed uh, a better situation, so not necessarily a government requirement. And I'm going to be a leader that allows for flexibility with respect to that. And I'm going to practice that approach, Jason, on my own personally with respect to my work Mm -hmm. week. Um, if I deem it more efficient, whereby I'm going to affect higher productivity, if I work a couple of days um, without distraction from my home office, I'm going to do it. If I want to work from a plant rather than the corporate headquarters on a given day, because I want to be with a plant mm-hmm. team, I'm going to do it. I was hesitant to do those things previously because we get ourselves into these routines whereby it is hard to make change. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought that I needed to sit in the corporate core and I needed to be there 60 hours a week working with my direct reports. <laughs> I've proven that I can be successful and a company can be successful by way of operating differently. And sometimes it requires a crisis. And Jason, let no crisis go to waste. Take mm-hmm. the positives. <laughs> it can be transformative. It can be an awakening. It was a personal. COVID was a Mm. personal awakening for me. I'm grateful now for things that I didn't think about before. I've allowed flexibility in my personal and professional life, and that has flowed down to the company and my employee base. That will not change. Joe, I, I, this is this is such a, an exciting time uh, for Mobex Global. We're so excited uh, for the company and for you and for your leadership team. And uh, you know, on behalf of really Jason, uh, RSM, myself, uh, and OESA, congratulations on just an absolutely uh, terrific transformational process. And congratulations on your launch of your rebranding today. Um, with all of that, thank you again, Joe, for the time that you've spent with us today. Uh, Bonnie, I'll turn this back over to you. Thank you, Larry. Thank Kyler. you, Larry. Thanks. And thank you to all three of you. Uh, Joe Perkins, congratulations on your exciting news. We wish you all the best. Thanks for your great insights. Jason Alexander, thank you so much for joining. And Larry, thank you for letting us eavesdrop on your conversation. It was very, very interesting. You touched on all the high points. This is Bonnie DeGram signing off for OESA's Automotive Insiders. If you want more information, go to OESA.org. Everybody stay safe. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.